What's up and welcome to the Sports Blog New York Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm joined here with my co-host Alec Argento. We will get into who he is in a minute, but we have some real breaking news here on the podcast. If you're up Monday morning listening to this podcast, Monday afternoon, you might know this already. But recording this podcast on Sunday night, thinking we're ahead of the game. Going to come out Monday morning, spitting fire, thinking we got the latest on the NBA trade deadline, latest on the Mets and Yankees. But boy, were we wrong. Just about a half hour ago, it's 12.45 right now on, on Monday morning. Just about a half hour ago, 12.15, the Kings and Pelicans have announced the trading of one DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. Boogie Cousins doesn't have to go very far as he will be staying in New Orleans where he is for the All-Star Game and joining the likes of Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday on the New Orleans Pelican squad. The official trade was reported by Mark Stein of ESPN and it is sending Langston Galloway, Buddy Heald, Tyreek Evans, and a first round and second round pick of this year's coming draft over to Sacramento. Now we all thought, will Sacramento trade a star-studded DeMarcus Cousins? Or will they just ride it out and DeMarcus Cousins will live his career in misery? Well, we got the news, and DeMarcus Cousins is leaving Sacramento, heading to New Orleans. Alec, when we just heard this news, what was your initial reaction? I was just shocked. I mean, I, I never thought, to be honest with you, that these trade talks that we had been hearing for months and months, and maybe even for years, years now, For years. He, I never thought he was going to end up going anywhere. Uh, I thought he was happy in, in Sacramento, you know, flipping out on reporters as he tends to do and, you know, just all about being miserable. So it seems like it's probably a mutual thing and it sets up, I believe, a better trade for the Kings going forward. And I think that's going to be probably be the unpopular opinion. So you think this is a good trade for the Kings because it kind of actually does the rebuild for them? Like it actually starts the rebuild of getting rid of, I mean, they've been rebuilding for years, but now they've got rid of their one star. They have Buddy Heald, who's a young rookie who's 24 years, 23 years old or something like that, 23 years Solid old. Solid role players in, uh, in Langston Galloway and, uh, and Tyreek Evans. And bringing back former Rookie of the Year in Sacramento, Tyreek Evans, and obviously some picks to go along with their already Sacramento picks. So now they have the Pelicans pick. They have their own pick. And let's break down the standings of the Western Conference. Uh, the Pelicans are currently two and a half games out of the eighth seed, which uh, is currently held by Denver. And that eighth seed is a complete toss-up. But this trade is really going to shake up the Western Conference just enough. Thank you, trade deadline of the NBA. You know, every year the trade deadline comes around, and we're all hoping that some big name will move to a new city. And this year, we got it. We got DeMarcus Cousins the day after, not even the day after, moments after the All-Star game, getting sent to New Orleans to play with one of the other best bigs in the league in Anthony Davis. All right? So here is the Western Conference standings as of right now. So you have Denver in the eighth speed, in the eighth seed. They are currently sitting at 25 and 31. Then right behind them at 24 and 33 is the Sacramento Kings. The Sacramento Kings could have been fighting for an eighth spot. Maybe they're sending a message saying that eighth spot is absolutely worthless for us. Maybe we're better off losing, getting our pick down to a better number. And gaining the Pelicans pick, who you got to see the pick getting worse because now Boogie Cousins is with the Pelicans. And the Pelicans sit right behind the Sacramento Kings at two and a half games back from that eight seed. 
meaning they're only a game and a half back from the Sacramento Kings. Big shakeup here in the NBA. The trade line delivered with some real news. Well, what I think is is, is uh, important to think uh, is now that the eighth seed is not an easy out in the first round of the playoffs if that's where the Pelicans end up, which it might look like that lower seed. They could cause a shakeup. They're a team you don't want to play in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, if you think about it, the Pelicans played the Warriors in the first round in a previous uh, NBA playoffs. And even though the Warriors swept the, the Pelicans with Anthony Davis going off, they gave four quality games. All right, they lost all four, right? But they gave quality games to the Warriors in the first round. And you got to think, this might be a matchup nightmare for certain teams. People have a hard enough time stopping Anthony Davis basically by himself with Drew Holiday. They have a really hard time stopping DeMarcus Cousins literally by himself in Sacramento. You put these two guys together, they're dynamic. They can both shoot. DeMarcus pulls threes. Anthony Davis is one of the best bigs and best players in the league. So is DeMarcus Cousins. Not every day do you have two stars joining forces at this point of a season. And it's spectacular to me. I mean, the NBA trade line has now delivered. If there's only minor, minor trades for the rest of the week, we got a blockbuster move. Another concern might be, though, and this is just you know going off of Boogie's mentality, the chemistry and the glue of that team. I don't have any worries of Anthony Davis, but seeing Boogie not be the guy for the first time in his career... Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. And you'll hear this uh, in the end of the podcast, well, towards the end of the podcast, that we were talking about these trades, and like I said, we thought we were on top of the game. We thought we were ahead of the game recording this Sunday night, but then we, we hear this news. So we, we actually talked about DeMarcus Cousins possibly moving, and we both said, you know, the Kings are crazy enough to do some weird stuff, and they did not disappoint. But like you said, DeMarcus Cousins has never been second fiddle to anybody. Maybe in Kentucky, but that was in college with John Wall and John Calipari as the coach. He's going to play a little bit of second fiddle. I mean, maybe he's a more talented offensive player, but Anthony Davis owns the Pelicans. That is his team. And I think this also uh, causes uh, a bit of doubt in uh, the fact that the GM and ownership over at uh, Sacramento had repeatedly said that he's not going anywhere throughout the entire season. And DeMarcus Cousins has repeatedly said he's about loyalty. He wants to stay in Sacramento. He actually likes it there. He wants to try to build something there. You might say he was kind of guarding his own back, his own person right there, you know, playing it safe. And then when he got traded, it's not his doing. He's not letting down the fan base of Sacramento. The Kings are moving him, and now he's going to a better situation. And now you take, with a large grain of salt, all other ownership and GMs with, with, with talks and, and players now that, that said, we're not going anywhere, we like the situation of the team. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if, if anybody follows suit, I believe. The uh, teams that jump out to me now are the teams like Denver, who have already made a move acquiring Mason Plumley for Nursif. Uh, Nikola Jokic has been playing better than ever. They're in the eighth seed right now. They must be looking down to New Orleans and saying, I don't know how we match up with this team. Yeah, we got Jokic, he's a stud. Yeah, we got Murray. They're playing really well right now. DeMarcus Cousins and Andy Davis are no duo to mess with. It's, it's going to be interesting also to see Drew Holiday's assist numbers towards the, the rest of the season. And he's been having games in double-digit assists already with just Anthony Davis and a bunch of scrubs. Now he's got two bona fide all-stars on his team. They could make some noise. It's exciting. It's going to shake up the Western Conference playoffs, I think, in a way that nobody really expected. Uh, and for my money, it was going to probably be pretty boring for the first round or two. Yeah, and you think about the teams like Portland also and Sacramento obviously being directly affected by this trade. 
Portland was a team that is they're one of the highest paid teams in the league, which makes no sense. They were a team probably trying to dump some contracts. Now I think they're definitely definitely going to try to dump some contracts and basically bust for the rest of the season, even though they have two really, really, really good players on the team, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. So what are they going to do? Can they see themselves competing with the Pelicans? They already weren't. Well, I, I think that it, it might make sense. Uh, what I believe the mentality of the, of the Kings is, they might have fought for an eight seed, but they were never going to go anywhere for the next two years or so, two, three years with, with Sacramento and, and, and uh, I mean, not Sacramento, with San Antonio and uh, Golden State. This is a way of rebuilding entirely for the future. Now, I could see teams like Denver doing that now, not giving up, but kind of game planning a little bit more for two, three years down the line when there's a legitimate chance for competition. Now, if all goes well for the Kings, Buddy Heald grows a little bit. Uh, you know, Langston Galloway and Tyreek Evans are kind of throwaways at this point of their careers. They're nothing. They're not huge difference makers, even though you love Langston Galloway. I do love Langston Galloway. Now they're going to get their pick, which is almost guaranteed to be in the lottery now, and will probably only become a better number for them as they lose games without Boogie. And the Pelicans pick that they just received, even though it has a protection on it, we're not exactly sure what it is yet. The news just came out. That pick, you got to guess, isn't going to be in the lottery if the Pelicans are able to make the playoffs, which they really should now. So they're going to have a pick in a decent spot in the lottery and also a pick in the 18 range. And uh, the second round, and I, I know there's been this kind of conception of that the second round is kind of a worthless pick, but in recent years you've had Isaiah Thomas, DeAndre Jordan, uh, plenty of second round I mean, picks. Draymond Green. Gr- granted, they're the exceptions, but these people exist. Yeah, absolutely. Even you look at the Nets, they got Isaiah Whitehead in the second round. He's a guy who looks like he's going to be an NBA player. Billy Hernan Gomez looks like a solid player coming out of the second round. You, you really don't know. It's all about fostering growth. And if they have a, a, a strong commitment to fostering that growth, then, you know, the, the world is their oyster. This, the ceiling is very high. And you think about David Yager. I mean, Dave Yeager, he's the new coach of the Kings. It's his first year. you got to see them now actually giving him a chance to create a culture, which he clearly was able to do in Memphis last year when he had – what was it, 25 different roster players and still made the playoffs? So Dave Yager's a good coach. The Kings now have officially entered legitimate rebuild. DeMarcus Cousins is now a New Orleans Pelican. This is a little shakeup that may create a domino effect and some cool moves might happen in this next week. Now I have a question for you. Put you on the spot a little bit. Mm-hmm. Did anybody win that trade? Did anybody lose that trade, or did it work out for both sides? I know uh, we talked about this real quick before we recorded this intro. I know you might feel different than me, but I think when you add a player of DeMarcus Cousins' caliber, and now he's next to a a proven professional in Anthony Davis. He must be ecstatic, Anthony Davis. Exactly, and I'm not saying he's a proven winner. He hasn't won much yet in the league. He's a proven professional. He, He knows what he's doing. He knows how to run a team. I think that only positively affects DeMarcus Cousins. And I think they could become an extremely dynamic, albeit weird, duo. And it's really going to be interesting to watch. I can't wait to watch their first game. I'll tell you that much. I really, really can't. And also, just seeing DeMarcus Cousins, a huge name, just change jerseys. It excites the NBA fans. And we always pray for the deadline for there to be some big move. And you'll hear later in the podcast, we didn't expect a big move. We expected a typical thing, you know, small trade here. Mason Plumlee goes to the Nuggets. Who really cares? This and that. We got a big name moving, and hopefully this leads to some more stuff happening. Now, I mean, it, it, it's also worth noting that DeMarcus Cousins is also going to be there for next year as well. So they can build a culture. Uh, the contract is looser. Uh, they have their bird rights now. 
Uh, he can, you know, they, they, they have the ability to extend it at a higher rate than most teams. Uh, you know, we'll see if this experiment works out. Uh, I have my doubts, to be honest with you. As you should. Yeah. Uh, but if it works out, you know, th this could be the new tandem uh, of the NBA uh, at, at its highest caliber for, for years to come. And it's, yeah, it's super interesting. There's, there's not much more to break down, I guess. I, the way they can play together, like I said, they're not going to really jam the paint on each other because they can both spread the floor. They can both put the ball on the floor a little bit. Uh, I, I can't wait to watch them. I really, really can't. Let's see if the uh, the bench can hold up. Yeah, well, now now you got to see the Pelicans <laughs> making another move. And it's funny. This will be the last thing we say before we move on to the rest of the pod. The Kings and the Pelicans are two of the most dysfunctional franchises <laughs> in the NBA. Yeah. Making a marquee trade like this, the only thing that could have made it juicier if the Knicks were somehow involved. <laughs> and I'm sure the Knicks would have lost that trade. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a pretty fair point. <laughs> Well, like I said before, that's some breaking news. DeMarcus Cousins to the Pelicans. Buddy Heald, Langston Galloway, Tyreek Evans. First round and second round pick to the Kings. The rest of the pod was recorded about 10 minutes before this part. Uh, we just obviously couldn't sit by the wayside and not talk on this DeMarcus Cousins situation. So enjoy the rest of the podcast. It's the Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. Alec Argento. You're going to learn who he is in just a moment. So listen to the music and enjoy the show. <laughs> La 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 I am joined today with the new co-host of the Sports Blog New York Podcast, and his name is Alec Argento, right here sitting with us. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for the really lovely introduction. I really appreciate it, man. Uh, I'm here to make it a little bit more sexy. I know it hasn't been the sexiest of podcasts, but we want to make a podcast for the guys and the gals, you know, a little romantic on a, on a Friday night if you need it, and uh, I'm excited to go forward. You know, you thanked me for a good intro, but I really didn't give you a compliment. All I did was tell you that you were here. I live in my own world. I tend to live in my own world where a lot of compliments are abound, you know. Just how I roll. So you hear things the way you want to hear them, and that's about it. Yeah, hot take guy. Big hot take guy. Okay, all right. I guess we'll, we'll hear more about that as the pod goes on. Oh, but sure. Speaking of the pod, right now you are able to find it on sportsblognewyork.com as well as SoundCloud. But stay tuned for this podcast to actually be brought to you on multiple mediums, including iTunes and hopefully some other ones as well, as uh, we're, we're, going, we're diving deep into that process. So it's not only going to be on SoundCloud in the near future, and you'll be able to listen to this a lot more easily. And speaking of the pod, real quick, just want to mention the new schedule that we are working with. We are going to be coming to you with a new episode uh, every single Monday morning and every Thursday morning as well. So this week is the first one of the new schedule, and Alec will be here with me pretty much every single Monday morning. I have nothing to do on Sunday nights. I don't have a lot of fun. I mean, football's not on, so there's no Sunday night game. It's true. I, I mean, I'm not a big soccer guy myself, so... Oh, yeah. American football. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I should have been more clear. I forgot how worldly you There's are. There's a couple different ones. There's mm. a couple different footballs in, in the world, but you know. Uh, well, today on the podcast, we're going to be talking a lot about the Mets and the Yankees as spring training is pretty much fully underway now. we got pitchers and catchers showing up. Uh, we got the whole teams coming through real quick. And the Yankees have a really interesting year on their hands where there's a ton of young talent. But they also made some moves that were pretty interesting that didn't really go in line with the fully young talent team that they have. So we'll talk about that. We're also going to touch a lot on the Mets pitching staff. Uh, but then after that, we're going to do a couple segments. Uh, one that I like to call, One Thing I Hate About, dot, dot, dot. And we'll see what that one thing may be uh, in a little while. We're not a fan of dot, dot, dots here. We have a lot of things besides that one thing that we're, we hate about it, though, in fairness. Well, you know what? It might turn into something where we hate 
um, multiple things about that one topic. We don't know. But it's, just, know. it's just the name of the segment. Yeah, it's, we'll work with it. There really wasn't a point for you to interject there, I didn't think. It was a joke on the dot, dot, dots. I guess you didn't get the point of the ellipses, as they're called. And on the rest of the podcast, the, <laughs> N- <laughs> the NBA, the trade deadline always comes up right after the All-Star break. So we're going to talk about some of the most interesting storylines uh, that will be coming on this week regarding the trade deadline. Obviously, touch on the Knicks. Is Melo going to leave? Is he going to stay? Is Derrick Rose going to get traded? Are the Knicks going to make some minor moves? Who the hell knows, but we're going to get into that. Also, we're going to take some Twitter questions. So follow us at SportBlogNYC, and you can follow me at Pete underscore Kennedy 81. And I take questions for the pod all the time because they're they're rolling in. I have to edit through a lot of them, read a ton of things. But, you know, I I do what I got to do for the podcast. It's nice that you just shamelessly plugged your own Twitter and the SportsBlog Twitter. But, you know, I also have a Twitter. Yeah, I figured you could just work that in yourself. No, it's fine. At this point, I'm just not even going to do it. Why why do it then? If if I'm going to come from – it's going to come from me directly, it just doesn't seem worth it. I mean. Yeah, well, I mean, I would never tell someone to follow you on Twitter. <laughs> I think you're a horrible follow. It's a good point. I, I only ever favorite or retweet your tweets. I guess like your tweets now, out of spite and out of pure feeling bad for you. Most, you, most no people, one, they don't like to give me validation in my life. And no. understandably so, it does go to my head. I mean, I know that validation is really important to you, and I, <laughs> I just won't give it to you. It's a, it's a fair point. It's a story <laughs> of my life. <laughs> and also, we might be able to fake some news on the end of this podcast. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to touch on a lot of things. And I hope you enjoy the show. But let's kick it off with some baseball. As baseball just kicked off last week, are you excited? I know you are pumped for this season. I'm a big Expos fan. I'm a big Expos fan. My secondary uh, team is the Yankees, uh, born and raised. Uh, And uh, this is the first spring training in my lifetime. Well, I mean in the 90s, but I was a little too young to to really uh, fully grasp it. But it's the first spring training where there's some legitimate position battles. Uh, Some kids that are really trying to grow. The Yankees seem... 100% 100% committed to developing, but also 100% committed to blocking some development at the same time. It's a little bit of a weird move, uh, but I'm excited for it. Uh, I, I, uh, I think that uh, Tyler Austin getting, uh, getting hurt is uh, a big, uh, clears a lot of issues because that Chris Carter signing really... Uh, so you think the Tyler Austin injury is like a blessing in disguise, in a way? It is and it isn't. I mean, I, I don't think... I, I mean, you have to remember, Tyler Austin at one point was one of our greatest prospects, and he had a huge fall-off. I think he batted something around 220 or something like that. Might have even been lower. Uh, and then he came back, proved his worth, and then he made it to the bigs. Um, granted, Greg Bird is a, fa- a much better first base sh- uh, prospect. Tyler Austin is has a secondary position in the outfield, but I don't think he's going to be playing. I don't think he's going to be playing in, in right field anytime soon with the the with Aaron Hicks and Aaron Judge. Uh, kind of preventing him from doing his thing. Yeah, you know, when the Yankees first signed Chris Carter, I wrote into our group chat with all of our sports blog New York writers, which we have recently added a bunch of writers, a bunch of great guys. If you haven't noticed, sports blog has been pumping out a lot more content lately, and all these writers, a lot of interesting things to say, a lot of a lot of good takes. So my initial reaction to the Chris Carter signing was kind of negative. I said, why are the Yankees going with this veteran who obviously has his issues striking out a lot, does have his pop and hits his home runs. But why are they bringing in this veteran when they have Matt Holliday? They were down that road last year with a bunch of older players. Not that Chris Carter's that old, but still that that same concept. When they have all these young guys who they really should focus on developing, I thought they're going to be kind of log-jamming their lineup with Chris Carter. But a lot of the SBNY writers kind of disagreed with me and brought up some good points and said, Chris Carter's going to be a lefty specialist. He's going to play against lefties. And Greg Bird has a hard time against lefties. Exactly. And he'll be able to spell Greg Bird, who's coming back from injury, who hasn't proved much in the league yet. And if Chris Carter ends up riding the pine, what'd you pay for him? Nothing, you know? So it actually isn't a crazy signing. 
My initial reaction was pretty negative, though. Well, I, I think that you said it all. I mean, the fact that it was a one-year, $3 million deal uh, allows them to, uh, you know, try it out, see what works, you know, lefties, righties, splits between him and Bird. Um, if it doesn't work out and they're competitive, uh, you know, they could just release him. Uh, and if, they, it does, if it does work out and, uh, you know, they can kind of flip him for some mid-level prospects, lower-level prospects, whatever they can do to bolster uh, their already very, very deep farm system, which is uh, just continue to climb the ranks. And the one thing we keep hearing about the Yankees is, is, is this farm system with all these great prospects. I know me and you have been talking about these prospects basically since they dealt Carlos Beltran last year when it was real that the Yankees weren't that concerned with winning a lot of games last year. They were concerned with letting Gary Sanchez play and letting Aaron Judge get some at-bats. And they wanted to build up from the bottom again, which is a really smart thing to do and something the Yankees don't do all the time. Who are the one, two, or three guys that you cannot wait to see? You're just chomping at the bit to watch them play, even in spring training, moving into the season. Well, if, if you're, uh, I'm sure you're aware that most of the of all of our, I think, I think seven of our top eight prospects were invited uh, as non-roster or roster uh, invitees to spring training. Uh, I'm very excited to see what Aaron Judge can do with a full year's work. It seems that they're very uh, willing to commit to his development, uh, as his uh, his body of work in the minors has proven that every level, every level that he. Um, uh, goes through whether it be uh, A, double A, triple A. He has struggled at first with a high, very high strikeout rate, and has eventually um, picked it up and turned those strikeouts into home runs. He's got monstrous power. He's, he's I think he's tall, an inch taller than John Carlos Stanton. I'm not saying he's going to be John Carlos Stanton, but he has the tools and the natural ability and and the the the, the profile to do that. Well, I'm glad you brought up John Carlos Stanton because I think the easy comparison to make when just purely looking at Aaron Judge is to say he reminds you of John Carlos Stanton. Or any tight end in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like his size <laughs> and pure strength are absurd, realistically. And it's not something you see in the MLB a lot. And just watching him swing and seeing his size, it makes you very skeptical that he's going to be someone who may hit a lot of home runs, but may strike out at an alarming rate. Do you think he's the type of guy who just needs to get his at-bats? Like the Yankees need to basically buy into Aaron Judge? Or will he be kind of well-suited for the spot-up role. Well, the one thing that I think it's important to, to realize that coming through New York, uh, there's different expectations. And, and the one thing that's uh, paramount to all other issues is, is if you can handle being in New York and the scrutiny that you're under. And I think that his work ethic, along with a lot of the people in the minors that the Yankees have, uh, proves that he's willing to change. Every year at the different levels, the reason he uh, struggles and then is able to uh, overcome it is the fact that he's willing to work with coaches and change his batting stance and, and change all of his uh, his peripherals and tools that he has in order to succeed. And he is an older he is an older prospect. I believe he's 24 years old, uh, and you know it, it, it's older than you'd like out of one of our top prospects. But you know his his work ethic and business acumen within the organization kind of proves uh, that he has the ability to overcome his uh, his uh, uh, his smaller um, uh, failings. Right. Well, you know, one thing I always try to remind people about prospects, and especially when it comes to basketball, so many players come out when they're 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, that it makes 25 feel old. But 25 is not old. You don't even reach the prime of your career usually until about 27. So, all right, Aaron Judge is older than your average uh, MLB rookie, but he's still 24, 25, even if he was 26. Not, I don't know. I actually don't know off the top of my head Aaron how old 24. he is. He's 24? Okay, you said that before, but I usually don't believe specific stats yeah, I that I, you I said. I not to fact check. <laughs> he might have just turned 25, and he was 24 as of maybe a month or two ago. So. All right. I mean, I'm just kidding. I do believe you a lot of the times. You but, shouldn't. That's your first one. 
Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll learn. You'll, you'll learn. All right. Maybe I know, but the listeners, they'll, they'll learn. That they'll, you, figure, uh, they'll figure it out. We'll get some hate mail on, uh, you know, on my Twitter and whatnot when they figure out what my handle is. So. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Very true. But, you know, I, I don't know. I think he might be the guy who has to play to get better. And if he's the type of guy who buys into to an organization, we always talk about winning culture. And you think, oh, if that guy was only on the Spurs, he'd be a stud. Only if he was on the Patriots, he'd be a great player. Well, if the Yankees can create that culture with all these young guys and have someone like Aaron Judge make adjustments and buy in and become a more complete baseball player, that's exactly what you're looking for in a franchise. And I'll tell you, I, I th- as much as uh, Joe Girardi gets a lot of flack from the New York media for his binder and uh, all of his uh, overmanaging that he, could, he tends to do, the one thing he's very good at is getting uh, his players to buy into his system. And that's what you look for in a very good coach. And we saw what he did in Miami. Uh, admit it. He turned a, a lot of young guys into a very, very good team. And, and even last year, I mean, you know, they, they, they sold off that team. They, they, they were committed to uh, just letting these people develop, and, and they overachieved. They almost made the playoffs. Yeah, they almost made, they the, almost playoffs. made the playoffs. I mean, you know, people forget about that. People do forget about that. Now, I have a list here uh, from SportsBlogNewYork.com. Just last week, we did a feature. It was Robbie Callahan, one of our writers, did a feature on the Yankees prospects. And basically their preview of the 2017 season, right? Uh-huh. A little off-season review, a little prospect review, and some season expectations. So he threw together a little list of some of the top prospects of the Yankees. I'm going to put you on the spot, because I like doing that too. That's always fun. Fair enough. And I'm going to just name the, the list of the uh, Yankees prospects, and I want you to give a line or so. Maybe one sentence, two sentence. If you have one word that's strong enough to describe a person, throw out one word. I don't know. Okay. We'll, see, we'll see how it goes. You know, so, can I elaborate just to give a little bit of a feel on, on my guys? If I give you one word... My this, point is, if you can do it in one word, do it. If you want to take some sentences and a couple, you know, 30 seconds, a minute on a guy, two minutes if it's a good... couple hours if need be. Yeah, the whole podcast <laughs> on Glavar Torres. Well, we can do that. I know right? that guy. Yeah, so that's who, that's who we're going to start it. Start off with. He's an infielder, in case people don't know. Glavar Torres, what do you got to say? Safe. Uh, he is our safest prospect. Okay. Uh, say he's, uh, I like how you incorporated the one word, but then elaborated. So I, you know, I wanted to know the rules and the parameters of what I'm working with here, but he's a safe prospect. I don't know if he's going to be a perennial all-star. You know, scattering reports say that, but he's not going to be a dud. He's one of the few prospects that you can safely say that he's going to be in the MLB for at least a decade and, you know, make solid, uh, have solid potential. He'll be a contributor for a team for a long time. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And, and the move then going forward... Uh, causes a bit of an issue because D.D. Gregorius uh, is probably going to have to shift over to another spot. They're not going to lose him. And then what are we going to do with Jorge Mateo, who is seemingly... All right, come on, guys. I apologize. We don't need to move forward. (laughs) You don't know if Jorge Mateo was on the list. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And you're not going to find out yet because he is not next. So that's Glebar Torres. And isn't he the type of the guy that you see him just swing and make contact with the ball and you kind of look at him swing and get excited? He has that explosive power. Oh, speaking about Glaber or? Glaber Torres. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Like, when he makes contact, you're looking twice. You want to watch that replay and see him swing. And, you know, you don't get a lot of broadcasting at the Arizona Fall League where he was the MVP, not to brag. Uh, but, <laughs> or but, sick brag. Yeah. I don't know. That's how you look at it. <laughs> but, but you will be able to see him in full highlight in the uh, in, in spring training this year, which is very exciting. For, I believe he's 19 or 20 years old, uh, youngest uh, MVP of the Arizona Fall League uh, in short existence. And that says something. Yeah, it absolutely. really does say something. When you could be the youngest person to accomplish something like that. Mm-hmm. Shout out, you know? So we'll see how Glabar does coming this spring. Next one, a guy who we know about. I think I think Yankee fans and New Yorkers are going to really like this guy. 
and part just because of his look. I think I know who it is. Take a guess. It's Clint Frazier. It is easily Clint Frazier, right? Clint Frazier came over in the uh, in the Andrew Miller deal. Uh, one of two very very good prospects. Uh, he did struggle when he came over here, and he, he uh, claims that that's because he was trying to do a bit too much uh, under the New York uh, eyes of the media and whatnot and the fans. Uh, but he has the personality and the work ethic as well. Uh, I, I've been watching a lot of little Vine videos and whatnot of his six seconds of his... Uh, Vine's, not, Vine's not even real. Twitter Vine. That's, some, that's some more <laughs> just fake bullshit coming sad, out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Clint Frazier, you know, he has, he has the red hair. Right, the long firing. Flowing. That's his word, firing. He's fiery. He's long flowing red hair. Wasn't he trying to make dates with a supermodel when he got to Jen New York? Jen Selter. Yeah, who, great, who great Instagram him. model. She curved him. I uh, mean, I would have too. Probably. <laughs> she'll. She's not going to want to. It's not going to say that when he's making twenty three million dollars a year if he gets there. But that's true. Um, so Clint Frazier, you said that Gilbert Torres was safe. Where is Clint Frazier on the safe scale? I, I think he I think he's a lot less safe, but his ceiling is a lot higher. His bat speed is unparalleled, and any scout will tell you that. They say he has the best bat speed in the minors. Uh, wow. Yeah, he's, he, he has the quickest bat speed. If you watch the videos of those six-second vines that don't exist anymore, uh, you could tell that those are that, that speed is just ridiculous. And he's got some pop. Yeah. He's got some speed. Does everything well. Um, but he won't be... He's, the, the problem then becomes... He's going to have to be a corner outfielder. Right. And uh, there's another log jam there because we're not going to get rid of uh, Jacoby Ellsbury. So that's one spot in the outfield gone. And Brett Gardner's value has been dropping and dropping every year. Correct. Um, so it would be interesting. And then you got to throw in Aaron Judge, when another guy who's, who we already talked about. Don't sleep on Judge this year. I know, I know he had the highest strikeout rate in history uh, last year. Um, but you know what? Chris Carter, uh, Chris Carter also had a, a whopping strikeout rate. Mark Trumbo had a whopping strikeout rate. The two home run leaders uh, of the National League and the American League last year, uh, and uh, you know they have smack lights. Granted, Chris Carter is not making three million dollars a year, and he was cut by the uh, by the Brewers. But uh, I think I, I think he's really gonna he's gonna struggle in the beginning, and as long as we can deal with the growing pains, uh, I think he's gonna be very successful in the league. All right, so you got a little Glaber Torres, Clint Frazier, Aaron Judge. Those are three big names right there for Yankees prospects. Um, how about Blake Rutherford? He's a guy I don't know much about. He's a young guy. Well, he's young and he's not young at the same time. What that I mean, doesn't make any sense. Well, I'll tell you what I mean by that. He's 19 years old, if I'm not mistaken. He's in high A, if I'm not mistaken. He might be starting in the Staten Island Yankees. So he's a ways away. He is and he isn't, again. So he he was a first-round pick. His draft stock fell because uh, teams were afraid that they weren't going to be able to sign him uh, due to uh, his commitment to college. He also is a year older than most people coming out of prep, uh, prep uh, sporting schools. Uh, so that was another concern of him. So he's older than the, his than his peers uh, by a year or so. Um, but he was killing it in the minors. Granted, it's a small sample size. Uh, he was in rookie ball last year. But uh, the... You know, scouts are really high on him. They think he can be the real deal. But again, there's that logjam in the outfield. But you know, maybe the Yankees go back to old Yankee ways and trade their prospects for uh, studs. What the Red Sox are doing. Maybe we get ourselves a Chris Sale. A little backwards, and then on, I don't even know how to explain that. It's like the opposite of what they did last year, mm-hmm. and now they're going to do the exact opposite technique to to supplement the, the real team instead of supplement the farms. Well, I, I think it's it's an imitation league, the MLB, and I think that the new thing to do is do what the Cubs did, which is. Uh, draft very high level position players and then fill the holes in pitching and free agency when the, when, when that arises. When the time is right. Yes. Okay, moving on. We, let's go a little quicker through the next three Fair guys. Enough. All right, let's go a little quicker here. We got a guy who you mentioned real quickly before, Jorge Mateo. What my, do you got? My one word for him is bust. Uh, oh! He is fast. I'll tell you that. I thought you did not like hot takes. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, his draft stock fell. 
Very much so. He has an 80 speed, which is uh, on the on the scales of, of scouts. 80 is the highest you can go. Is that like a MLB The Show rating? Like, what is this? No, so I'm sure you've heard of five-tool player speed. Yes. Uh, there's five tools that uh, players are rated on. Uh, good prospects are usually rated between 40 and 80, 80 being the highest. Uh, it goes lower, obviously. I believe it starts at 20. I don't think it starts at zero. But uh, his speed, a lot of people think that it, it can uh, make up for the rest of his uh, skills, but... Uh, he had some issues in the clubhouse. He got suspended for a while. His his average dipped a lot, uh, and he he uh, doesn't make great contact every now and then. They're thinking that he can uh, move on with the with that speed, but you know, we'll see how that goes. Jose Ray has made a career on it. That's true, but he's he's pretty talented in other aspects. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, that's good stuff. That's some good insight from co-host Alec Argento. Who you still? I'm not. I'm not giving the Twitter. Let them figure it out. Yeah, they, they'll figure it out, or maybe like at the end of the show. I'm, and I'm not the Alec Argento from Kentucky. I'm, there's two of us. He's in Kentucky, and it's not me from New York. Okay. All right. So we'll we'll keep in touch with that. It's Alex's <laughs> perspective on some of the Yankees' prop prop uh, top prospects. As, as Bart Scott would say, can't wait. Why was that so hard for me to get out right there? Because you're not the smartest guy. That's what I'm here for. Okay. Like you, you bring the smarts, I just drive the show. <laughs> it's fair I'm enough. just here to make sure we don't crash. <laughs> so now, talking about the Yankees' prospects, that's, that's always a great topic. Moving across to Queens, okay. talk about the Mets a little bit. A little bit of flushing where the toilets are. Oh, yeah. The, the prospects may not be as great in Queens as they are in the Bronx. Don't, don't say that because Ahmed Rosario is going to be the real deal. The second base prospect for the Mets. He's going to be the real deal. They do think he's going to be the real deal. We'll get into him in just a moment. The one thing I do want to talk about with the Mets is basically their pride and glory. And it's their pitching staff. Which they decided to not, a monster. not re-sign Bartolo Colon. And they can be just as good, if not better, of a pitching staff this year. That's, it's dependent on one thing. Injuries, and obviously that's for every player. And it sucks, but you have to say it about the Mets because almost every guy now has some sort of history with injuries. Well, I brought something up to you earlier this morning. Um, I think in the past three or four years, they've had three different opening day pitchers. I mean, it allows these injuries allow them uh, other people to step up, but it also kind of hinders their process. I mean, Jacob Degrom wasn't as good as he was last year. Granted, he was very good, but he he did have a downhill uh, trend to him. Uh, Matt Harvey is very injury prone after the Mets. I, in my opinion, very much mismanaged his. Uh, and he his also outcome. just did not look like the same guy last year when he was on the mound. No, so that's always a rule for concern. He, he's got that Carmelo Anthony baby fat going Ugh. too. <laughs> Why well, you got to bring that up already? We yeah. didn't get we didn't get to the NBA yet. <laughs> I love the fat athletes. You didn't get me like upset. We just lost the best fat athlete around. Bartolo <laughs> Colon's playing on division rival. Former Yankee great. Ex-Yankee. 2011, uh, 2011 team. He's an ex-Yankee great, ex-Indian great. He's now an ex-Met great. The guy's just great. Is that not the most forgettable Cy Young winner of all time, though, in fairness? Do you, I don't remember anyone remembering that he uh, uh, was a Cy Young winner. People forget about that. Yeah, the Indians, they had Cliff Lee, CeCe Sabathia, Bartolo Colon. Oof. And now Trevor Bauer. <laughs> That's right. Corey Kluber. Corey yeah, Kluber. a lot of Oof. Cy Young winners. Wait, wait. Didn't they have another guy? Oh, Corey Kluber's the one who won the Cy Young. Corey Kluber won it recently. And I don't, I don't he was like a seventh-round uh, pick, too. He was someone they didn't think was going to be anything. So was Dal- uh, Dallas Keuchel of, uh, of the Astros. He's I mean, you say like a seventh-round pick is low. It That's is. Hot. It, it's, it's, it In is. the MLB, a seventh-round pick is To be a Cy Young winner, to be a Cy Young winner, it's very difficult. All right, I'll take your word on it. I mean, you could also be Mike Piazza, who was you know, a millionth, the, the millionth uh, player picked uh, in that draft and ended up being a Hall of Famer. So. That's true. So I want to bring up something about Noah Syndergaard. He is apparently on a very regimented diet and workout plan that is making him gain 15 pounds, or he has gained 15 pounds already. Now, he was already a moose. He's already throwing smoke, and now he's adding weight. On one hand, that makes me a touch nervous, 
more weight on those joints and on those ligaments and all that. Touch nervous, but doesn't it make you kind of excited and a little scared? How could you not be? He's going to be throwing 130 out there, man. Come on. I, I, I mean, granted, I hate to keep bringing it back to the Yankees now that we're on, on the Mets right now. but Get over yourself. <laughs> Luis Severino had a lot of issues, they, they think, was because he had too much weight on him. He had too much muscle on him. I mean, it makes sense. It does. It. You're 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 uh, you're limited in your mobility with the more weight you gain. I mean, look at Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> Every year that he's overweight, he's hurt. I don't this know. This year, he's not that overweight. Actually, <laughs> he's, he, he should be, be the new muscle hamster. He should take over Doug uh, Doug Martin's uh, title. That would be a very ironic name for Carmelo <laughs> Anthony, and I would enjoy it thoroughly. <laughs> all right, so let's go off uh, all from Noah Syndergaard. So we know about him. We know if he's healthy, he's going to be a stud. We feel pretty confident that Jacob Degrom will be Jacob Degrom. If his fastball can get get up to where it needs to be, then yeah. Right, and Matt Harvey is kind of a, a heads or tails type of guy right now. Like he might come out and have a really strong year, but you can easily see him kind of laboring through. Let's talk about some of the other guys. So you have Zach Wheeler. Is he you ever going to play Pete? Uh, I bought his jersey two years ago, so that means probably not. Because I also the jersey I bought before that might have been the same year was Tim Hardaway <laughs> Jr. on the Knicks, and he's now hitting five threes a night for the Hawks. So uh, didn't you buy a Jaron Grant jersey too, or is that just a no? That, I, do have a, I do have a Ruben, I have a Ruben Tejada. <laughs> oh my goodness, he's he, I believe Ruben Tejada is also in the Yankees uh, uh, spring training invite team. Oh good, yeah. So you know he could break his leg uh, off a of Chase Utley in uh, spring training this year. Oh yeah, wow. That's just why would you bring that up? That's uh, because it's funny to me. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, well, it happens. All right, <laughs> let's talk about Gaselman. Let's talk about Seth Lugo, and let's talk about Zach Wheeler. Can the three of them maintain? Two spots in the rotation this year. Well, yeah, I mean, you're also. I think another person you're, you're glancing over is Steven Matz. Will he be great this year? Oh, true. That I forgot about Steven Matz, but I almost chalk him up as a guy who should be Mr. Consistency for the Mets. That's fair. I mean, he, he's very young too, and if I'm not mistaken, he had some injuries in the minors as well. I mean, he's uh, he also had some control issues at some point he, last year. He's young. He's young. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's something to consider as well. I mean, if, the younger you are, you, you gain the control uh, as you get older, I and mean, you can transition as you get older. Um, but Seth Lugo, I, I I would not feel confident. I just don't think that he's someone that you can bank on going forward. Uh, he's got he's he's got the the ability to be a very consistent four or five, but he's got a very low ceiling too, in my belief. Right. So, I guess we'll look this year, we'll look at Gesellman, and he pretty much is badass uh, Jacob DeGrom, right? He's got the long hair, he's got some tattoos, looks a lot like Jacob DeGrom on the mound. So, badass Jacob Jacob, uh, Jacob DeGrom. Wow, I'm struggling with very simple words today. I just think that every pitcher on the Mets should shave their head, get a haircut, and, you know, maybe shave and stuff like that, and just be classy. What, because you think you're better than me? Yes, I do. (laughs) And you think your organization is better than mine? I just think there's a proven record of success within, you know... Uh, shaving your beards and, and, and getting rid of your tattoos and whatnot and all that classless stuff. Yeah, just everybody, <laughs> when you get when you get on the Yankees, you just have to get all your tattoos removed, <laughs> just shave, shave your all the hair off your body, and be no fun. The only fun Yankee of all time was Nick Swisher, who just officially retired. And a little fun fact about Nick Swisher, will be joining A-Rod as a guest instructor in spring training for them this year. Ah, true. And, I heard about that. And Nick Swisher was the last fun Yankee, but... Wait for Clint Frazier to come up. Ah, I'm hyped about Clint Frazier. He looks like a more fun ver- version of Ju- uh, Justin Turner, which is wrong because I only compare them because they have red hair. Now, Pete, I have a question for you. What do you think 
I think there's a very short lifespan. You're not allowed to ask questions. Okay. No, okay. Right. I'm sorry. No, I'm going to leave, guys. I'm going to leave. No, okay. What's your question? But the Mets infield, um, there's a short lifespan of that, I believe. What do you see as the future of there? Who's going to take over the mantle? Neil Walker, I believe, was on his last year of his contract. Jose Reyes is getting up there. You got, you know, you obviously you have Ahmed Rosario coming up at second base. But, you know, for the, for, for the rest of the infield, where do you see that going? This is how I feel. I'm going to go around the diamond. So I'm going to start off on the bench with David Wright because that's where he'll be, right? My expectation with David Wright for this season is absolutely nothing. That's where it should be, I think. If he plays 20 games, I will not be shocked. If he plays 100 games and bats 250 and is extremely average, I will not be shocked. Would you be shocked if he was good? Yes. I'll be shocked <laughs> if David Wright is good this year. 100%. Fair enough. So that's, Dave, that's my expectation on David Wright. Move on to Jose Reyes. I really liked getting Jose Reyes last year. I thought he brought the energy that you expect from and Jose Reyes. And the hair. And the hair, sure. And he was actually a pretty good third baseman next to Azubu Cabrera, so you can't be mad about that. Moving on to Azubu Cabrera, you know what you're going to get. He's going to bat no higher than 280, and probably not even that high. Maybe like a 270 type I think of guy. He, you live with 280 without a attack. Yeah, he's like a 260, 270 type of guy. Has some sneaky power, and he's just going to give you a, a really solid glove at, at shortstop. Neil Walker is a guy who says that he will strongly consider re-signing with the Mets next year, so you can't be mad about that. He's a, he's a solid player. He's a solid second baseman. Has some media well as well. He's a good guy. He's just a good guy. <laughs> he sure is. And then, like you said, Rosario is a stud prospect, and you just got to wait and hope that it pans out. Yep. And absolutely. that's how I feel exactly about the Mets. It's fair. And Lucas Duda. And, and, and Daniel Murphy for, uh, at second this year will be really good. Oh, oh, sorry about that. What, do you think you're better than me? I think he's better than you. That's 1,000% <laughs> true. Daniel Murphy is the best hitter in the MLB. Hot take. <laughs> Unreal. That's not, not true. Um, but that's really all I want to talk about on baseball because we went pretty far with baseball right there. Fair enough. We'll, we'll, we'll cut some of it. We'll cut it. We'll cut it. We'll fix it in post. Yeah, we'll fix it in post. We'll take out everything that was wrong <laughs> and we'll just take it out. So just cut out everything I said. Yeah. It's going to be the Sports Blog New York podcast hosted by Peter Kennedy with co-host Nobody. <laughs> just me. <laughs> We're going to do a segment and I'm going to open the floor to you, Mr. Alec Argento, my co-host. Oh, sure. And I want you to tell me one thing that you hate. About what? About anything you want? Uh, I hate um, coverage of the Golden State Warriors. I hate that it's on every channel, every every uh, primetime game. I have to watch the Golden State Warriors, and that's a hot take of the day. So you're just tired of it? I hate them. They're just so not fun to watch. When did your day. hatred start? Uh, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, 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 sorry. You said the Golden State Warriors are not fun to watch. Nope. I'm going to gloss over that and go back to what I was going to ask before. It's playing 2K on rookie mode. It's just it's just hitting threes from half court all the time. So you just don't like that they're phenomenal. It's not that they're phenomenal. I, I like to watch I like to watch some old school basketball. I like to see see them penetrate into the paint and then pass it out and then take some shots from all over the place. Give me some triangle uh, uh, offense right there, man. Give me some old school Phil Jackson. I don't know what to say to you. Yeah, no, that well, that Phil Jackson thing is ridiculous, obviously. <laughs> but, but, but I like to see a little bit more of a of a ground and pound type of uh, of uh, of offense. It's it's kind of like the uh, the Showtime Lakers versus so the old Celtics. What teams do you like to watch in the NBA? What players do you like to watch? What are your What are your guys? Why, like you hate the Warriors? I get it. A lot of people are starting to get tired of it. When did a When did your hatred start? And what basketball do you like watching? Well, I mean, obviously, it it it, it kind of peaked when Kevin Durant went over there. I mean. I think a lot of people are like that with uh, with the Golden State Warriors. It just became a cheat code on top of a cheat code. Nobody likes to watch that. Um, but it definitely started, you know, after... after the numbers the, will definitely say otherwise, by the way. The numbers say that they're most watchable teams. Well, those are alternative facts, Pete. 
Those are alternative facts. I don't know about that. I think those are the alternative facts that are actually right. You keep listening to the mainstream media, man. You just keep listening to the mainstream media. You just keep getting spoon-fed information, man. Uh, but I, I think I think when it came to, to the Warriors, it just... It, you know, they don't have a lot of good personalities on there. They have some nice guys on there. They, you know, Steph Curry's a class act all the time, but he's not really a personality, I wouldn't say. Clay Thompson's a low-key guy as well. And the only personalities they have over there are people like Draymond Green, who I think I've gotten very tired with very quickly. Um, Kevin Durant, who I just despise, who is the new LeBron for me. That's another one. Don't like LeBron. Not a fan of him. Uh, and, you know, he just did, he did the decision 2.0 over there. I know that that's kind of been said by a lot of people, but it's just, it, it, it's, it's hard for me to watch. And I think that probably stems from the fact that I'm a big Knicks fan. <laughs> <laughs> What's harder to watch for you, the, the Warriors or the Knicks? Well, at least I get Claude Frazier with the Knicks, so I think that makes it, it makes it a little bit more palatable for me. You gotta, you gotta love Ty. So, you know, I disagree with you, Fair and enough. I really enjoy watching the Warriors. I think they play the most exciting brand of basketball in the league, so basically I just absolutely disagree with you. But besides the point, I think... Like you said, it's a like a copycat league. It's an imitation league. Absolutely, everybody's trying to play like the Warriors. Even the Spurs, who are the most—I don't want to say stubborn—they're not stubborn at all because they've changed their their methods of playing. But they were the last old school successful team out there. Maybe other than the Thunder, who didn't quite make it over the hump. Now the Spurs play a very very similar style to the Golden State Warriors, and they're setting the tone for offense across the entire NBA. NBA. So I don't know. It's hard for me to say I hate it because it's so it's exciting to me. Uh, I mean, I agree. They well, get talked Pete, about way too much. Pete, you're a bandwagon fan. I mean, that's the end of the story. I mean, I'm not saying I'm rooting for them. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I, I seen you wearing your, your your Steph Curry pajamas going to sleep. I, you know, you're definitely rooting for them. So don't lie to me and the audience. How about that? I'm not a liar. <laughs> that's one thing I hate about you calling me a liar. There's a lot of things you hate about. <laughs> But this is the Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm joined here with co-host Alec Argento for his first trip on the pod. How's it been for you so far? It's not great. I'll tell you that. It has not been great. Uh, you know, you keep coming in with these hot takes. Okay. I just don't appreciate it. Um, all I'm right. just kidding, everyone. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> it's been great. It's thanks been great. for making me feel small. extremely uncomfortable. You're too tall. i got to make you small a little bit every thank, now and then. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Well, I'm getting, we're going to get into the best topic on the pod right now. And we're talking about the NBA. And we're not talking about the Golden State Warriors. Cool. I'm doing that for you. Then I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about the Knicks. Let's talk about Carmelo Anthony. Let's talk about if the Knicks will actually make a move at this trade deadline. What is your gut feeling? Is Carmelo Anthony going to be a Nick after this Thursday? I'm going to say yeah. And, and, you know, I I think that Carmelo Anthony has uh, one of the the, the worst possible uh, responses by New York fans in, in, in recent memory, an unfair response. Absolutely, this guy puts his all out there. Yeah, he, you know, you knew what you were getting with Carmelo Anthony when he came here. I mean, who was upset when they saw it, when, when he was traded over here on the fan base? Nobody. You, you knew everybody getting, was hyped. You knew you were getting a superstar. This guy doesn't play a lot of defense. You knew that, right? And uh, he, the, all he wants to do is the opposite of what a lot of people complain, including myself. Uh, of LeBron James and Kevin Durant who just go chase championships. This guy came to a team that wasn't very good. He had a good year uh, in, in 2012, I believe it was the 52. Yeah, 2012-2013. Yeah, that was that was a great season. And, you know, the supporting cast hasn't been great. I, mean, I think that comes from ownership. But this guy wants to come and win it for this fan base. You don't and see that. will he? Probably not. No, and he won't. And my thing is, it goes back to what we were just talking about with people who, who criticize the NBA, people who criticize Carmelo Anthony, 
specifically talking about that now. They didn't actually watch him in Denver. They watched him on ESPN Sports Center, watching him drop 30 a night on in Denver. Right. They didn't watch him for full games. They didn't know what he truly was as a player, other than a person who gets super hot, was a good rim runner, and could shoot the shit out of the ball. Not a great uh, rim runner anymore. No, he's not at all, actually. It's like almost funny to watch him try to get to the lane. because he's fat. Yeah. Which we're, oh, we're always coming back to mellow <laughs> being overweight. It's, it's my favorite topic. Well, he is a full circle. <laughs> So, it makes sense. But no, my problem is that Knicks fans didn't know who he actually was. They saw him and heard of him and saw highlights. So they thought they were getting this this fully-fledged superstar. But realistically, they were getting a superstar offensive player. And he's one of the best scorers of all time. Of all time. Easily. And has continued to be, even at his old age that he's in right now. And and he just looks so much older than he is when he's playing. You know, you say that, but then when he gets hot, he looks like he's like 20 years old again. It's ridiculous. When he gets hot and he's making shots with triple coverage. Well, I should say he looks old when he goes to the hoop. (laughs) (laughs) Then that's pretty fair. That's absolutely fair. That's my problem. I was like, I... I'm critical of Carmelo Anthony, but I find myself just defending him. But it's fair him. to be critical. It's fair to be critical. It's of course, of course. But I find myself defending him all the time solely because I think most fans who talk about him don't have a good understanding of who he is as a player, as a person, or as the, of the Knicks organization. And, and, and it's frustrating. I have a question for you. Has there ever been a New York athlete who has handled uh, just crazy uh, questions from uh, and, and outrage from fans uh, better than Carmelo Anthony has in, in recent memory? I think he's done pretty much every single thing right that he could have to and it's handle not a great situation. situation for him. He may have been able to better handle the Phil Jackson situation by straight up defusing it and not making it a big deal. See, I think he did do that. To an extent. He didn't just, like, brush it off. He got upset, which makes it worse for, for him and for Phil. But wouldn't you, if you got, if you got hounded by reporters... If for every question, and, and he absolutely, said, and he said it himself. Um, you know, when he wins, uh, when he wins, it's the team. When he loses, it's him. And that's an unfair thing. Heavy is the crown, obviously. You know, you're you're the face of the franchise. Uh, but you know, that's the situation. It's, it's, I think it's, it's a very unfair response to Carmelo Anthony and uh, how he, uh, what he brings to the court and what he brings off the court. All right, so you said your opinion, and my opinion actually happens to fall in line with yours here. I don't like that. I like when we have arguments. I do too, but, you know, when you're right, you're right, and I think <laughs> we're both right here. I don't think Melo's going anywhere. I think he's going to be a Nick at the end of the season, and I think one of my friends earlier today asked me what were the percentage chance, well, what were, what are the percentage chances that the Knicks make the playoffs, and I said 9%, and I think that's almost a little generous, but it's kind of funny that... That's about right. You know, 9 to 11% chance they make the playoffs. I'm sure there's actually a statistic out there with the percentage. Without a doubt. But that's my personal gut feeling. They have like a less than 10% chance to make the playoffs. Probably even less than that. Um, But Melo's going to be here. And he's going to... We're going to live with Melo. We're going to die by Melo. Now, objectively speaking, do you think he should be here? Taking emotions and and fan bases out of it, do you think he should stay here? What's good for everyone involved? Because in my opinion... I think, objectively speaking, as much as I want to see him stay, because I like the guy and, and what he brings to the, uh, to, to the team, he can go win a championship elsewhere. We can get prospects for him. Grant, uh, picks and whatnot. Granted, his, we're going to be trading him for you know, a quarter for, uh, for the dollar of his value just because... But see, that's where I don't think it's good. I don't think it's a good idea to trade him, up, trade him for a bag of nothing. I, I don't think it's addition by subtraction when getting rid of Mello. We're still going to have enough cap space after the season 
to sign certain another players. Another joke, that, Noah. Oh yeah, another <laughs> joke, Kim Noah. Just we're gonna we're gonna be at Roy Hibbert this all season. <laughs> Even though Roy Hibbert would be ten times better than Joe Kim Noah. Bring back the twenty twelve Pacers that beat the Knicks in the playoffs. Yeah, for real, right? So I don't think addition by subtraction is something that exists here. I don't think we get better by trading him for nothing. And a lot of people disagree with me on this as well. And to them, I say, I don't care about you. Phil Jackson isn't trading him for nothing. I think he's made that clear already. I mean, obviously, Melo has his no-trade clause anyway. But say Boston decides they're, they're want, they want to make a trade. Melo says, okay, I'll go to Boston. I don't think Phil Jackson is doing that for only Marcus Smart and for maybe Boston's crappy pick. Like, I don't think he's going to do that. I think he'll wait until he gets a really awesome offer that Melo will accept and he'll accept. Or we're just going to keep Mallow for this year, and something might happen in the offseason. And you know, uh, something that we haven't spoken about yet, uh, I think it's also important to realize that Kristaps Porzingis benefits greatly from Carmelo Anthony being on the court. And I well, think- I think you and I, I I'm, I'm kind of indifferent about that. I, I think it's tough to say, but most people would disagree with that statement. I just, I, I think that he gets a lot more shots open because of the, the attention to Carmelo Anthony on offense. This is where I think it helps. Okay. Imagine press conference after the game. Carmelo Anthony is not a New York Nick. Who is the guy who is now responsible for answering the tough questions about the Knicks situation? Easy answer, Lance Thomas. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> that was that was well done. Now. That was well done. <laughs> Chris Stapps Porzingis becomes the new center of the franchise. Right? He's the center of attention now. 100%. I mean, granted, Derrick Rose is still here, and I think that not for long. That sense would help. I think KP gets peppered with questions he does not need to be asked at this point of his life. That's fair. And I don't think that's good. And I think that's one of the biggest things where Melo helps a lot. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, I, I just I, I think that I, I think there's a big hindrance to uh, Porzingis' development if he leaves. You know what I exclusively think right now? What do you exclusively think, Pete? If you and I agree on something, we're absolutely right. That if we, we both see eye to eye, there's no way we're well, wrong. I'm going to tell you a little trade secret here. I'm always right. So if you're agreeing with me, then you're definitely on the right side of history. So my last statement was correct because I said if we are on the same side of it, we're absolutely right. Right. But I've, I, what I'm just saying here is just remember that if you are on the opposite side, you're wrong. That seems fair. And <laughs> being that my last statement also agrees with your previous, I mean your current statement, I think that just goes to show more that we're just right all the time. Fair enough. Fair enough. Except when we disagree, because then I'm wrong, and you're right. There it is. You're getting it. You're picking yeah. up what I'm putting down. All right, so this is the Sports Blog New York Podcast. Hopefully you're enjoying today's episode. Uh, just maybe 45 minutes ago, I probably should have gave some more time, uh, but I tweeted out, hey, anybody got some questions for the podcast? We're going to be talking some Mets-Yankees, little NBA Knicks trade deadline, this and that. If you got any questions, please tweet at me, right? So, unfortunately, I only tweeted that, like, five minutes before we started doing we the podcast. We got a thousand questions. So, I, I didn't really have time to edit through these thousands of questions I got asked. <laughs> so, I'm just going to go to some of the first one or two, maybe three, see how long it takes that I got. And I'm going to start off with Anthony, at D-E underscore Italiano, the Italian. I bet you he's from New York. Uh, his question is, the most likely slash least likely to get traded, Mello, Derek Rose, Courtney Lee, or Kyle O'Quinn. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you take the floor first. Who's the most likely to get traded out of those four? I'm going to say nobody. Uh, I'm going to say that they stick Taking with... the easy way out. Uh, but, uh, now, there's. Uh, if you asked me a different way, if you said who has the most value, I would have given you a better answer. But I don't think that Phil's making any... Why are you, telling, why are you getting mad at me for at D'Altaliano's question? I just think you could have done a better uh, way of presenting it. I, I, I think I did, that goes on you. All I did was read the tweet. Well, maybe read it a little bit more with a little bit more p- panache next time. 
right. So well, your opinion, no one, no one's most likely to get traded. Who I what, think? Do they have equal odds? Who, who I think? Explain has, yourself. I think that I think that Kylo Quinn, who was who was mentioned in that tweet, is the best bet. I think he. Uh, it has a great team. So you you could have done that the first time, but I don't think he will. You could have just like worked, worked the question, <laughs> but I don't think he will. I don't think I don't think he's moving. I think he has the best value. He's a team friendly contract, very team friendly contract with consistent minutes this year. He's been nothing short of fantastic off the bench. And people are so happy with Willie Hernan Gomez right now. And, and Wouldn't you just say bye bye? Well, I think it, it would. It would. We, we've been talking a lot about log jams uh, positions today. Um, I think getting rid of uh, Kyle Quinn for even for a bag of chips alleviates. Talk about addition by subtraction. You have less to worry about there because I think that you then have um, Willie Hernan Gomez, Billy Hernan Gomez, uh, who become who could become a starter within the next year or so. You know what you're going to get. He has a lower ceiling, but he's going to be a very solid center. In he's a league. poor man's Mark Gasol. I like to say that's fair enough. Nice touch around the hoop. Can use both hands. Pretty decent passer. He's just not near the defender that Marcus All is. Fair enough. And then we have Joakim Noah, who is going to be hurt for the rest of the tournament. Defensive player of the year, <laughs> Joakim Noah. Um, Him and Roy Hibbert are going to run the Knicks next year. <laughs> but he's going to get some. He's going to get his minutes. And then when obviously someone, someone who I think can develop into a very solid uh, bench role player is Plumley. I don't think he's there yet, but I think with the time and minutes, he's never going to be a starter. Isn't it great to watch him on the floor, though? He's, he's just he's absolutely electric. like an animal he's running elect- around. Like he's electric. Foul people left and right, get rebounds, block somebody. He's an somebody. old school bruiser. We don't have that. We thought we had that in no and he's not. He's like a more athletic Tyler Hansborough with no skill at all. And as I like, <laughs> as I like to refer to Tyler Hansborough as Tyler Hansborough, or is, am I thinking of Cody Zeller, or am I thinking of Tyler Zeller? That's how I think of Tyler Hansborough. <laughs> yeah, right. Realistically, you could be any of them. He anymore. sure can. <laughs> All right, so I think I'm going to go on the opposite spectrum and not go with the most likely to get traded. I'm going to go with the least likely to get traded, and I also think that's Kylo Quinn, and it's for the same reason you thought he's likely to be traded. Team he has such a team-friendly contract. I think the Knicks would be crazy to let that go because you know he can play bench minutes and be solid off the bench as a center. For, what, th- less than $3 million for the next two years? That's phenomenal. You're not getting that anywhere on this market. So the same reason you said that he won't get traded, I think he, I mean, you said he will. I think he won't because the Knicks would be crazy to get rid of that contract. That being said, he's somebody who may have to supplement an already existing trade. So say the Knicks are trading Mello or are trading Derrick Rose. He's a guy, a team would say, hey, you got to give us O'Quinn because so, he's going to save us money and we're not taking Rose unless you give us O'Quinn. Well, he could, he could also balance that if, if there happens by, by some grace of God to be uh, a Carmelo Anthony trade, uh, then he would have to he would be able to balance out a deal, uh, especially if there needs to be a third team involved. Uh, that what, what is Melo making like twenty eight million or something like that? Yeah, he's a max. Ex- exactly compared to actually he's less than max, but uh, just just under max. Okay. Uh, but him and, and O'Quinn uh, combined just under have, Max Kellerman, I assume you're. Yes, Max that. Kellerman, the boxing guy. He's making like way more money than Melo. People people forget about uh, about Max Kellerman, the boxing guy. The boxing. They guy. just know him as this. This uh, big big shot on ESPN take first. I remember when he was on the twelve to one take uh, five. On, on on ESPN radio in New York. Back yeah, in, back in the good old days when you cover only Yankees, Giants, and Knicks, and, a, and he wouldn't allow any hockey talk. He's literally He's your favorite person <laughs> of all guy. time. Like <laughs> f- screw hockey. Let's go Knicks. Let's go Yankees. Let's go Giants. My I guy. can care less about everything else. Is exactly <laughs> what goes through Alex's head every single day. That's all I care about. And like good cool TV shows. Yeah. Maybe an album here or there. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. <laughs> All right. Um, so that that's it about the Knicks. Let's do quickly because we really are going kind of long today. We're, we're chit-chatting. We'll fix it in post. 
We could we could do that. We have technology that will allow <laughs> us to fix it in post. Uh, let's talk about. Let's do three topics, right? So you go first. You you talk about one. Let's do four actually, because I'm thinking of four off the top of my head. Let's do a trade deadline topic. Let's spend like a minute or two about it. What's going to happen? Theorize this and that. You say one. I say one. You say one. I say one. Four topics. You okay, go first. So my favorite topic. Uh, every trade deadline. Uh, every every off season is who will the Boston Celtics trade for? And I'll give you the answer. It's nobody. And I love to hear every time, well, are they going to trade this player? Are they going to get this player? And it's never going to happen. And I never get unentertained by that. That's not a word, but you know what I mean. <laughs> we don't need to use words. No. <laughs> words are like kind of overrated. As long as people Screw know it. what you mean, I feel like it works. And right? we'll fix it in post. Exactly. All right, we'll fix it later. Uh, so you think the Celtics aren't making a trade? No moves for Boston. Oh, they never will. <laughs> <laughs> That's not their style. <laughs> Unless they get like a like a Tyler Hansborough, Cody Zeller, Tyler Zeller, because I just feel like they're the most tradable people. In they the already world. have one of those guys. Yeah. Oh, that's right. They, <laughs> they have. <laughs> they have him. They have him already. <laughs> they can get all three of them. They have like two or three of him. <laughs> Seriously, Amir Johnson might as well be well, not Patrick Patterson. Well. <laughs> I don't know. Like they're like all the same. Uh, Fair enough. Close <laughs> enough. Um. So you said the Celtics aren't making a trade. I want to talk about Jimmy Butler. So lot. Well, I took it. So for so it. sorry, not sorry. Go for it. Uh, the Bulls are talking about possibly trading Jimmy Butler. I heard from Brian Windhorst today on ESPN Radio. What the Bulls are now doing is listening to offers. They really are just testing the market on him. But if that red offer comes out, and it could be from the team you said won't trade, Boston, they they're one of the teams that could pull this off. Now it probably won't happen. But Jimmy Butler is a name you'll hear over the next three or four days. And that's an exciting name to hear because he's a superstar. Now, the audience can't see me, but I'm hoping they can hear me roll my eyes because there's no way he gets traded. Just absolutely no way he I gets mean, traded. I mean, wouldn't it be absolutely absurd to trade one of the probably top 15 players in the league? Could they get a haul for him? Yeah. Without a doubt. But if you were the Bulls and you are going to get the... But they have a weird team with contracts lined up in, in, in all, all sorts of places. But wait, if you were the Bulls, would you take the Nets pick and Jalen Brown? They don't net oh, from the Celtics. From the Celtics. Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't seen enough of Jalen Brown this year. I, I, from what I remember from, I mean, he draft. gets he gets minutes, a lot of minutes on but a he, contending he, team. Is he not a project? Now I'm asking because I'm not entirely sure. He's a guy who you can play for 30 minutes right now as a rookie, and he's not a liability. He just doesn't bring a lot of extra on offense. But defensively, he's pretty much there already. And as a you know small rebounder and like slasher, he's okay already. Well, I mean, I, will they do it? No, uh, but don't should they do it? I think they could. I think if they get the right hole, they should do but it. But then you bet on Lonzo Ball or Markel Foots being better in the NBA than Jimmy Butler. And how can you take that bet not knowing, like, Jimmy Butler's already a superstar. He's an all-star. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I can't disagree. But, you know, what they have over in Chicago is a weird team. This reminds me of what the Eagles did with Chip Kelly. They handed him the keys to the kingdom. They got a bunch of weird people in, and then they traded everyone away, and then fired uh, fired Chip Kelly. And we're back to square one. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what the Bulls have right now. They just have weird contracts lined up to old players, to you know role players, and, and and what have you. And it's just trading Butler can alleviate some of that pressure, but it's still a project. All right, what's your next deadline? Story. Is this the year that Brooke Lopez gets traded? Oh, the Brookie monster making an appearance on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I, I told you. I tweeted about this maybe a month and a half ago. Why does a contender not want Brooke Lopez on their team? He can score. He could still score. And now he shoots threes like he's, <laughs> he's, like awesome. he's Clay Thompson. Like he's, <laughs> I said that last week about Marcus All, but still, like Brooke Lopez is out there chucking threes and hitting threes. I want to say that out of all of our trade talk, this is the most likely to happen in my opinion because the Nets are going nowhere real quick. 
for for a while. They have no picks coming up anytime soon. The, they need to rebuild and rebuild quickly. Ever since this move from from Jersey to New York to Brooklyn, uh, they're not under the same microscope as the Knicks. Uh, but uh, you know, people are not paying attention to them, and that, that I'm sure that their their market is falling because of that. And they need to rebuild. And, and Brook Lopez can get a nice haul. He's still young. He's only what 27. They're saying that mm, I think he's closer to 30. He might be over, just over. The we'll, we'll fix it in post. Yeah, fix that one in post and let us know how it goes. Um, but I want to talk about one last trade deadline story, and then we're going to get on to a little bit of Jets and Giants draft prospects and some theorizing. We're not going to be breaking down prospects yet. We're not there yet. Fair enough. We're going to do a little theory on where they should go, where their, where their needs are. You know, <laughs> the Mara family, family tree, conspiracy theories between them and like who they <laughs> choose to marry. It's a whole big thing that you don't know about, and we're going to inform Christine you about it Christine marrying Tom Coughlin's daughter. Oh, just a bunch of weird stuff out here. Uh, but my last trade deadline topic is about the one called Boogie. So a guy That's who a good one. is a stud on the court, and you just can't deny it. DeMarcus Cousins, very similar to the Jimmy Butler situation, the Kings are taking phone calls. And that's a big first step for a big move happening because that means they're going to really hear what teams will give for a guy like DeMarcus Cousins, who is a bona fide stud in the NBA. Don't think he'll get traded. You know, all these trades that are going to happen are like the Mason Palmey for Joseph Nurseff trade. Like, it's not going to be exciting moves. The Raptors may make another move and get P.J. Tucker. Like, sick. Don't sleep on P.J. Tucker. Not that fun. (laughs) It's just not that fun. So, I think Boogie's a really interesting name, and we'll hear that over the next couple days. Again, Kings might be out of their minds to trade him, but the Kings might be out of their minds. I I think that the Kings ought to do it. I think that they should do it. Um, just he, he's I don't a, like that you just said ought. Yeah. Actually, you know, I, I words kinda, aren't great today. I kind of like ought. I'm not gonna lie. Maybe we should bring back ought. We'll make it a new segment. All right. <laughs> Next yeah. week, look for the ought segment. The segment that ought to be. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think the Kings are in a bigger, a much different place than the uh, uh, Bulls because I think the Bulls have the talent. Well, the Bulls can also make the playoffs this year, but so can the Kings. But the not, have, not that it matters. The Bulls have the talent. They don't have the right mentality on the court. I think there's a lot of lot of alphas out there who are trying to be the guy on that team, whereas the Kings just have one guy. And I, the one thing I would be worried about, or just curious to see, rather, is would Boogie be Boogie on a team where he's not the guy? I think he would be better. Really? I think he'd be more efficient. He would be happy to be winning games. Because I think the one thing... He's he, a head case. He gets crap for not winning games. I think he shouldn't get crap for not wanting to win games because... You watch him play, and he's out there competing every night. I think he, I think he's a different person on a, on a good team with actual culture and leadership. Well, I think that might happen, whether uh, it's this trade deadline or, or the offseason. As a basketball fan, I hope it happens. I love when big names move. I don't know why. If Boogie moves from Sacramento and goes practically anywhere, I'm kind of excited about it. I'm not gonna lie. That's fair, right? I, I'd be, if he goes to a marquee team, that makes it real fun. Makes yeah. it real fun, and can shift power if he's in the right spot. I don't know. Without a doubt. So he's in Boston. I see that. But, you know, I think another thing, just real quick before we go, uh, up to the next segment, uh, I think that uh, there's not a lot of teams that are going to be willing to make big deals. (coughs) Excuse me, because I don't think there's a lot of teams that think they could be legitimate contenders this year outside of the uh, Cavs once they get healthy, the Warriors, and the Spurs. Maybe Toronto, but I don't think there's many people that would be willing to take a flyer uh, uh, and, and kind of maybe risk hemorrhaging the future. Uh, on, on a star like that because I don't think there's a lot of teams that are legitimate contenders outside of it, even with him. Mm. 
Well, it's interesting, and we'll see what happens. And the trade deadline is this Thursday at 3 o'clock, and there will be some moves. There will be a good amount of moves by Thursday, but they may not be the most exciting. And all we can do is wait and see. Just like the dunk contest. Oh, so we'll, we'll shot at uh, Adam Silver over there. That's a super not hot take. That's a lukewarm <laughs> take because everybody has been shitting on the dunk contest. Since it, was, it was atrocious. I'm glad I missed it. I actually watched the more, the most exciting part of Saturday night, I think. Can I guess it? Yeah. Oh, this is Chris Porzingis. Winning the skills challenge. My man, representing the bigs. Easy money right there. <laughs> Easy money. Again, this is the Sports Blog New York Podcast. I'm Pete Kennedy. I'm here with Alec Argento. He's going to be hosting our Monday morning shows from now on. With me, and we're gonna be getting into a lot of stuff. Oh, Baseball sure. season's like real close. Like we talked about it it's a my lot. Bread and butter. Probably talked about it too much early on in the podcast. That like went too long. Just wait till I bore our audience with uh, when it comes to the full season. Um, yeah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna allow it. <laughs> but oh wait, hold on. Actually, I have some faking news. Um, Darrell Revis has gotten his boxing license in Las Vegas and is looking to fight Conor McGregor this summer. That's a big fight. That's a big pay-per-view fight. I mean, I'd buy it. Would you? I mean, I don't think Conor McGregor stands a chance in the boxing ring. I mean, he's a UFC fighter. Darrell Revis just proved that he can knock people out. I mean, Revis, has, he's, he's great at coverage. I mean, he gets him on the floor. He's going to wrap him up. Revis he, Island, 2.0. I mean, is this is this really for the money? Because he's been shying away from contact in his recent bouts recently. I mean, you think he wants to really fight somebody in Las Vegas? I think that he sees his career winding down. A lot of people go into broadcasting after this, yeah. after, after their careers. He's seeing a new avenue that just kind of is unexplored. So he's looking to make a nice paycheck and then settle down, see what he can you do. Don't, you don't know that he doesn't love the sport. I mean, maybe that's what, maybe there's a true love. I mean, obviously, financially, it's going to come into play. But I think that there's also a, a, an aspect that he might just really enjoy the game. Wow. So that's some faking news right there. I mean, Darrell Rivas just got his boxing license in Las Vegas. And another late faking news, uh, Michael Vick has been signed by the Chicago Bears. Who would have thunk it? That's not true. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he just retired. He's coming back? Uh, he is. He is. He's wow. coming back over there. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey is going to transition into a free safety. You know, uh, I actually heard uh, on that news is that he's really, they're working on the Michael Vick experience as a virtual reality game. It's called and, Madden 2005. Yeah, and he's, <laughs> he's coming back into the league just to, to promote that. So I think it's, I think it's a power trip, trick for him. Oh, I, I, can't, I can't argue that. I'll tell yeah. you that. All right. Well, I, I, that, was, that was your first podcast, man. You just finished the deal. That was it. I think Hour I, 15. I think I killed it. And have you ever been wrong before? No. No, no, I haven't. Um, I, I, I just think that the, the glowing reception I'm going to get on Twitter when everyone finds out who I am is just going to be... Astronomical. It's just going to be just glory and praise and no, no bad things whatsoever. I just I can't envision anything bad coming my way. And if they come from me, it doesn't count. It's like expected. You know what I mean? No. So no, if I tweet yeah. something derogatory at you regarding your performance, like just don't don't worry about it. Uh, I don't want it to, to hurt your feelings. Well, I, I like I like your energy today, and I want you to be there next week. So don't take anything I say to you on Twitter personally because I, I need this from you. Okay? I mean, Lady Gaga has her little monsters. I have my own variation of that, and they're they're if you come at me. I'm going to quote your tweets, and then they're going to just destroy you, verbally and, and viciously. So, look forward to that. All right, maybe I'll rethink my whole position on, on this entire idea. situation. <laughs> Probably a smart idea. All right, well, this is the Sports Blog New York Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. We talked about a lot. We talked about the Mets and Yankees. Spring training's around the corner. We talked about the Knicks. Their lives are miserable. We talked about some NBA trade deadline. We did Giants-Jeff draft, draft prospecting. 
I had fun today. I had a good time. You had a good time? I sure did. Looking forward to the rest of it. Certainly. People forget about that. Looking forward to the rest, you know? (laughs) Well, that's the Sports Blog New York Podcast. I'm Pete Kennedy. I'm Alec Argento. Hope you enjoyed. Give us some feedback. Give some questions, some comments, all that jazz. And enjoy your day. Have a good week. We'll talk to you later.